Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and the breath of his lips will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We read this passage most years around Christmas time. And as we read it this week together as part of our daily readings, something jumped out at me that I've never noticed before. In verse 9, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Now, I remember that part. But what comes next? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Our ability to live the way God has called us to comes from being filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And, and the image here is an incredible one. As the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I don't know if you know this, but there is a lot of water in the ocean. Lake Erie, big lake to our north. Most of us have seen it. Lake Erie has 115 cubic miles of water. That is a lot of water. The oceans that cover the surface of the earth, remember, Lake Erie has 115 cubic miles of water. The oceans altogether make up 321 million cubic miles of water. It is almost unfathomable just how much water that is. But the prophet Isaiah is telling us that the restoration of all humanity that the peace that will come in the great victorious day of the Lord will come as the knowledge of God covering the earth like water covers the ocean. 
321 cubic, 321 million cubic miles of water cover the ocean. And the world that we are living in and that God is continuing to transform and bring back to him will be filled with the knowledge of the love of God, just like the ocean is covered in water. Let's pray together. Most holy and gracious God, we pray for that day when your love and the knowledge of the Lord covers our entire planet like water covers the ocean. Lord, may we be prepared for that day. That day where all of our prejudices go away. That day where all of our fears are silenced. That day where we experience harmony and peace. Lord, we, we trust that it is the work of Jesus on the cross and the Holy Spirit in our lives that brings this reality into our world. So Lord, may we be receptive to your love and your grace. May we be receptive to being your agents in this world to bring about this sort of reality. Help us to be the sort of people who spread the knowledge of the Lord around the globe so that we might experience everything that you've designed life to be. Lord, you are good. Out of your goodness, you chose to send your son into the world as a sacrificial gift adopting us from slavery to sin and death and making us your children. So Lord, with the confidence of your children, we pray the way that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This summer we are looking at the times where in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus say the words, truly, truly, I say to you. These, uh, this is a really declaratory statement. It's, it's a powerful way of speaking. When John uses this language, Jesus is saying things that are important. It's revealing a greater truth about the way the world works and what God is doing. Last week, we looked at the story of Nicodemus and Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, things about being born again and spiritual birth and what it looks like to be a child of God, to be born of the Spirit. And this week we're in John chapter 5, and Jesus has recently healed a man uh, who had a disability at the pools of Bethesda. 
And he's now talking to the Jewish religious elite, and they are trying to make sense of what it means that Jesus has healed this man, that he's healed him on the Sabbath even, but that Jesus has healed this man and what to make of that. And we find these words, truly, truly, I say to you, and this is Jesus speaking, of course, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You know, I feel like sometimes as the church, we've done a disservice to the language of salvation because we've talked about, you know, what happens if you die? What happens if you die? I remember being in high school and, you know, the evangelist who was sharing with us said, if you die right now, do you know what's going to happen? But I think that's completely backwards. Because the story the Bible tells is that we're all already dead. We are born dead. It's not that, that we're bad and Jesus can make us good. It's that we are dead. But Jesus is offering us life. And hear what he says. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. They have crossed over from death to life. It's not a question of, if I die, will I get to go to heaven? It's, I'm already dead and I want to live. I am born dead, but Jesus offers life. When we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in the Father who sent the Son, we cross over from death into life. Eternal life begins when we put our trust in Jesus. It's, it's not about something that's out there and going to happen someday, we hope. It's about something that starts happening right now. And some of you can tell that story. Some of you know about what it's like to live a different sort of life, a life that's marked by death before putting your trust in Jesus. So for the next minute, we're going to share with one another what, what this transformation in our life has looked like. We were dead. Jesus has made us alive. What does that look like? All praise to the one who has lifted us out of the pit, who has rescued us from death and given us eternal life. Jesus continues here in John 5. Truly, truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. 
For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. You know, I was racking my brain this week thinking about the last time I preached on Jesus as judge. And I think the answer is never. Because we rarely talk about Jesus as judge. We talk about Jesus as Redeemer, Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as Christ, Jesus as Son of God, Jesus as uh, our friend, Jesus as uh, the one who loves us, Jesus as our master. But rarely do we talk about Jesus as judge. But if we go back to what we read at the beginning of the service in Isaiah chapter 11, from the very beginning, part of Jesus' role in the cosmos is to judge justly. Remember, back to Isaiah chapter 11, this coming Messiah will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. You know, part of the messianic hope is that Jesus is putting all things right, which means that that which is dead, that which is consumed by evil, can no longer run rampant. You know, the the way some of the the church fathers described it is they said, uh, the the wrath of God is merciful. The wrath of God is merciful. That when we think about what it looks like for God to judge and why universalism, which is this idea that, that ultimately everyone is just going to enter into the same eternal existence, why universalism doesn't shake out and doesn't work is because God demands justice. You can't simultaneously have a eternal reality where the slave and the slave owner come in on, on the same terms. The, the, there has to be justice for the slave. There has to be justice for the person who's been harmed. And, you know, our hope is that in the course of life on this planet, we see reconciliation and we see grace and we see repentance. But ultimately, the, the judgment of God is about making sure that heaven is a place of justice, that that it's not overwhelmed with the same problems, the same injustice, the same oppression and marginalization and prejudice that we see on earth. The justice that Jesus brings as part of the Messianic hope is a justice that makes it so that those who've been oppressed find freedom in the eternal life with God. 
those who've been marginalized find space. Those who've been hated find love. So God's justice is a really important part of of our hope for eternal life and what it looks like to experience life the way God designed it. Because God didn't design a world of prejudice and hurt and hatred. God didn't design a, a world where we are at odds with one another or at odds with creation. The mercy of Jesus demands justice demands that that the life to come is one where those who have been captive experience freedom. So the Bible tells us that it's not so much that we're bad and we're trying to become good, but that we are dead and that Jesus offers life. That this life is something that we can embrace in the here and now. We can begin living our lives in communion with God right now, right now. We can begin living lives that are preparing us for the coming uh, kingdom of God to be here in its fullest right now. Um, One of the theologians that I read during seminary suggested that perhaps God in his grace allows everyone to get exactly what they want for eternity. And the outworking of that is that our goal in this life is to learn to love the things that Jesus loves, to learn to love the, the things of the kingdom so that when we pass on from this uh, mortal, uh, mortal plane and we enter into uh, the, the, the life of God beyond, that what we desire is the sort of world that God is inhabiting. That the presence of God is ultimately what we want. And I think that's a really cool way of thinking about it, that that every decision that we make in the here and now is either teaching us how to love what God loves, or it's affirming the things that we love that aren't part of the eternal life of God. And here's where the, the role of the Holy Spirit becomes super duper important in the life of the Christian because the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to prepare us for life with God. When we sense conviction that something that we're doing isn't right, that's a good thing. I mean, I know the world says, oh, don't be ashamed of anything, you know, live your truth. You do you, whatever. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us to pay close attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, convicting us of sin, convicting us of the sin, of the stuff that's going to separate us from God, convicting us of the stuff that, that will make it so that we don't want to be in the presence of God. 
so as we move on from this place this morning, my, my challenge to you is to, for this week, to be very aware of what are the things in your life that you're a little bit uncomfortable with. That, that maybe you've done them for a long time, or maybe this is a new pattern or behavior, and there's just, there's part of you that's uneasy about it. It just, there's just, you can't even put your finger on it, but it just, there's something going on there that, that you don't quite, you can't quite fully support. And I invite you to pray and ask God to reveal what part of that is separating you from the life that God desires for you to live. What part of that does God not love? What part of that, if you continue down this road, is going to make it so that you don't want to be in God's presence? Because Jesus has told us that he offers life and life abundant. That the good life is the life that he offers. That we don't have to pursue these things that the world tells us will make us happy. But that we, that when we embrace the life that he is, is creating for us, when we embrace the things that he loves, it's there that we'll experience joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. So may our Lord Jesus Christ go near you to defend you go before you to guide you, go behind you to forgive you, go above you to bless you and live within you so you may love one another. He lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and even forevermore. Amen.